You've seen the movies. But you haven't read the comics? What? You think the comics are inaccessible? That's Steve Vinson. That's Paul Schultz. And we've got issues. So this was a good one. Did you like it? I can see why you like Wolverine so much. I like that Wolverine. He's changed a lot since then. That For me, that's why I stopped. You know, we all have our things. Well, especially he- those of us who are superheroes, <laughs> like you and me. We all have our thing that drives us and, and pulls at us and pushes at us. It's that thing that is... It's sort of it's sort of a vice, but it's also our motivation in life. Last week, it was Tony Stark and his drinking. Mm-hmm. This week, it's Logan and his women. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just summed it up in one sentence. <laughs> it's one of those things that says, yes, to the outside world, it may seem like a vice and it may seem like a thing that's causing you to to be to do crazy stuff that you you know why not live the nice quiet life you know why you got to be mm. drinking and carousing why you got to be chasing chasing skirts right but ultimately it's not only the thing that is our vice and that causes us to do crazy stuff it's also the motivator that moves us forward and that my friends logan is known as the wolverine issues one through four <laughs> from 1982 why, why did you pick this particular one? Give us a little background here. In two words, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Last week when we talked about Iron Man, I, to, I was telling you how Iron Man is, is arguably the most recognizable superhero to the non-comic book world. While Hugh Jackman, you know, who was Wolverine in all the X-Men movies, not only did he do the best possible job that he possibly could because he's the best at what he does, <laughs> and all the ladies love him. Oh, that's true. Women are 50% of any audience. 50% of the audience might gravitate towards this because they all like the bad boy. And Wolverine in 1982 was the pinnacle. He was the original anti-hero and <laughs> just an all-around badass. Men want to be him. Women want to do him. Yeah. <laughs> why this particular one and why now? Well, because the accessibility of it is that it's a standalone. You don't have to know who the X-Men are. You don't have to know Wolverine's past because the less you know about his past, the cooler he was. And it does it's not bogged down in a lot of history. And if it is, it's explained to you in the, the, inter, the internal monologue of the whole thing. And, and it's just a great story. So it says Wolverine, it's Wolverine 1 through 4. Yeah. Is it safe to assume he has appeared previously? Yeah, he was in the X-Men. Yeah. His costume's different in this one, so I don't know if that threw you off. Plus, reading Giant Size X-Men number one like you did a couple weeks ago, you never saw his face. He didn't take his mask off until much later in the series. And in fact, Mariko, who's in this story, was the first person the audience heard him tell his real name to. And uh, Nightcrawler, he's he's like, Wolverine, she called you Logan. Yeah, that's my name. Well, Well, why haven't you told us that before? And he's like, you never asked. <laughs> he was very need-to-know information only back then. So do the events of uh, these episodes just take place after? Yes. Giant size was 75, so yeah. 
there's okay. several years worth of history leading up to this, but nothing that you have to know reading Wolverine. Because if you notice too, he's like he's in and out of his costume a lot in this, and, and audiences yeah. like that. You know, movie fans would like that because. They don't always want to see him in the costume. They want FaceTime, and they want him in street clothes and stuff. How did it work? I mean, did they figure out that readers really like Wolverine, so let's give him his own show? What happened was Chris Claremont was sharing a taxi cab with Frank Miller, who's the artist, Claremont being the writer. And they didn't really know each other very well, and they just got to talking in the taxi cab. And the next thing you know, they cooked the story up in, in the time it took them to get from point A to point B. I just find it interesting that, that we just kind of jump in at, at issue one and they don't go through the origin story. That's the thing. At this point in time, that's what made Wolverine so cool is you didn't know anything about him. Mm. You only knew a little bit of, the, of, his, of his history from what he's willing to volunteer. There's something about that Enigma character that just, like, we, you, you want to know more, so you're just, he, he, he sucks you in, you know? Mm-hmm. Was it issue one about how, you know, Mariko could trace her roots back to feudal Japan? He's like, me, I know my dad, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, right. You know what else? What other historical event happened around 1981 or 82? Nope. Paul Schultz and Steve Vinson made each other's acquaintance. <laughs> All thanks to the bus driver. <laughs> Cause she, <laughs> yeah. she, I'm not picking both you boys up at two different stops. So you got to meet at one another's house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much it. You were reading this around the time we met. Yeah, you've always, as long as I've known you, Wolverine's been like your, I believe your favorite superhero. <laughs> yeah, one of, pretty, one, one of yeah that that iteration. Yes, I don't yeah. like what they've done to him, but yeah that 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 version. So this is a Stan Lee presentation, <laughs> and it is uh, compliant with the comics code. As best they could. <laughs> For those of you who are new to the to the idea of Wolverine, welcome to planet Earth. <laughs> Without getting into his origin story, he explains, you know, who he is and what he does pretty early on. He's hunting down this wild grizzly bear who's been poisoned by a hunter but not put out of his misery, and this grizzly bear went off and killed a Kodiak bear. Like the one that tears up Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, like that bear. <laughs> Only doesn't get that graphic. <laughs> no, because of the comics code. That was one of the problems they had with Wolverine. Once they created him, they're like, how can he rip guys to shreds under the comics code? So the answer was robots. <laughs> they killed a, He killed a lot of robots and a lot of dinosaurs. <laughs> In this particular four issues, he kills a lot of human actual beings. Yes. And they, they get away with it because it doesn't happen on camera. Yeah. But you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So his, he's a mutant, mm-hmm. like, like all the X-Men, mm-hmm. and his body just heals itself. Yes. Super fast. Yep. So you can hurt him, but then he his body heals itself. And what they did with that is they went ahead and laced his bones with this metal called adamantium. Mm-hmm. Which is super strong. Yeah, you know, can't be destroyed by conventional means. <laughs> and then he has these claws that like are retractable, mm-hmm. and they are also made out of adamantium. Yeah, and when he deploys these claws, they make the sound snicked. And the, the <laughs> thing about his claws, they cut him every time he pops them. So every time he pops them, it hurts. 
I, I thought of that because they, they kind of show his knuckles. Like his knuckles look like when I go outside in the wintertime without any lotion. I thought like when you've been in the garage punching a side of beef. Oh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, he kills the bear, uh, puts it out of its misery. Then he goes, fi- finds the hunter that poisoned the bear and <sighs> takes care of that guy. The bear lasted longer, <laughs> but I let him live. <laughs> so then he goes to Japan because apparently, and there's certainly backstory. We don't get the mm-hmm. full story, but we find out that he's in love with this Japanese woman and she was in love with him, but she's part mm-hmm. of this Japanese family that goes back many, many generations, like 800 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, her father arranged a marriage to some dude as payback of a debt. As a callback to giant size X-Men? She is Sunfire's cousin. Well, and of course, her husband beats her, which kind of pisses Wolverine off a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. He's about to kill her husband, and she stops him. Mm -hmm. And then he gets shot up with these poison darts. They would have killed a normal man, and they almost killed him, but, you know, his healing factor took care of it. Barely. But not before this guy beat the shit out of him with a wooden sword. Right. The dad of the woman that he loves. Who, as it turns out, is the boss of a crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. So the dad like throws Wolverine out on the streets, leaves him for dead. This woman who... Yukio. Yukio. Yeah. It seems like they might have a history. Do they have a history or are they just meeting for the first time? She's just absolutely infatuated with him from day one because he's everything she wants to be. She wants those magnificent claws, dude. That's not all she wants from him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she got what she wanted a couple of times. Yes. <laughs> it's like if, if Charles Bukowski was Wolverine. Uh, and it still complies with the comics code. Uh, so she saves him. She nurses him back to health. Gonna have sex with you, too. <laughs> Finally. They become lovers. Oh, you know what I love? The Hand. Oh, yeah. They're great. I love that name for a group of crazy ninjas. It's like the Crazy 88 or whatever, but it's The yes. Hand. Well, in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe, their ninja organization was called the Foot. Oh. <laughs> and it was a direct homage to the Hand. So the Hand comes after Wolverine and his new lady friend, apparently sent by the love interest's father. Yeah. It's interesting what they did with the, when, when people are speaking Japanese, they put it in brackets and put translated from the Japanese. They do that with almost all of the uh, foreign languages in, uh, in comics. I felt like I had a babble fish in my ear. <laughs> I could read Japanese. The thing you got to remember, too, at, at this point in time is since Wolverine has been jilted, he pretty much, you know, lives his life in the bottle. And, you know, as far as Yukio goes with him, you know, the the saying goes, the quickest way to get over somebody is to get under somebody else. Yeah. He's, he's not thinking too clearly at this point. Well, I mean, she is something, though. I mean... <laughs> If you got to get under somebody else, this is one to get under. <laughs> She's a <laughs> She's a spicy one that one. So, you know, one of the things he realizes is that even though he kind of fell in love with Yukio, mm-hmm. his heart of hearts really belongs to the <laughs> other girl. Yeah, cuz <laughs> um oops, accidentally say your say your true love's name when you're talking to your girlfriend. That, that doesn't work so good. No. Uh, do you speak from experience? I've I've been told this is something you shouldn't do by the person I accidentally called the wrong name, but that's beside (laughs) the point. (laughs) I can't remember her name. What's her name? Mariko Yoshida. But anyway, Mariko's dad, you know, sent these assassins. It didn't work out because, you know, because Wolverine. (laughs) 
Man, he's got to kill at least 175 of these super high-powered ninjas. It's like a Sonny Chiba movie. He just he goes, he just mows them down. They're good, but he's the best. I mean, I love his confidence, you know? Yeah. So um, Wolverine helps Yukio get in uh, so that they can go after this other crime lord. And they end up killing the competing crime lord. So now Mariko's dad is the only game in town. Mm-hmm. He becomes the strongest crime lord. He's got eyes on running the whole damn country, too. So Wolverine realizes he's been had. Yukio used him to get in so she could assassinate the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now Wolverine's pissed. <laughs> and you do not want to be Wolverine's enemy. He doesn't have very many of them. And it's like no matter how many of these hand dudes they send after him, he just kills them all. My God, the arrows. <laughs> there are just so many arrows. Yeah. <laughs> they will darken the sun. <laughs> then we can fight in the shade. <laughs> So she catches up to him because he's, yeah, he retreats into the bottle mm-hmm. just like Iron Man. Yep. It's the we're no different you and me moment, right? Yep. You know, you want to resist who you really are. And so that's why you, you're doing the drinking and carousing because you're trying to resist your true nature. She's like, you know, do you want to just fade away? You just want to drink yourself to death just because you couldn't have the woman you wanted? Or do you want to live every moment to the fullest and go out spectacularly? And... um he passes out from the drink and has a dream that he's like this samurai warrior. A warrior rides out to the west to win the hand of the woman he loves. She is Mariko, the daughter of a great house, heir to an ancient noble line. He is a rude, rough-hewn man of common stock, but his skill and courage are legend. He thinks that is enough to make him worthy of her, but he finds the gates of her home barred, the walls lined with archers, Turn away, Gaijin, he is told. You are not welcome here. The odds are impossible, the cause hopeless. Yet, not for a moment does the warrior hesitate. He attacks. And then, by God, the arrow. <laughs> and uh, anyway, that's his dream. Then he wakes up. And the hand, of course, is back, so he's got to kill a bunch more of them. <laughs> Then he discovers that Yukio killed his friend. Asano. Japanese Secret Service dude. Yeah. So they're buddies. So now it's personal. <laughs> he realizes he's been betrayed. Somehow he can smell the blade and know that it's the same nerve poison that incapacitated him from the beginning. And he knows it was Yukio. So now he's off. He's after her. And there's this big chase through the city. Mm-hmm. Then she jumps through the glass roof of the uh, Zen Garden. And they have a confrontation in the Zen garden. Uh, He's like going to kill her, but she says, you cannot. We are two of a kind soulmates, born rebels, Logan, who make our own rules in a society wherein we have no place and which has no true place for us. I love you, Logan Chan, as you love me. Kill me and kill yourself. And he says, she's right. And then he gets shot in the arm (laughs) with an arrow because, you guessed it, the hand is back. (laughs) Then he sees it in her face like she's scared for him. Like, maybe she doesn't want him dead, right? She's, like, regretting it. And she's like, oh, no, the hand's going to kill him. And he's like, ha, not so fast. And, like, he just kills all of them. I mean, he just butchers them, right, in the Mm -hmm. Zen garden. And he looks around. He's like, wow, story of my life. You know, there's order in this orderly Zen garden with patterns, you know, these nice peaceful patterns. And now I just ruined it. It's just chaos now. Like everything, everything in my life. I just ruined it, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And then he stops and he starts to put it back together. Like he starts to remake the patterns. Yes. That's just a great metaphor because the thing about a Zen garden is you don't finish it and go, okay, there it is. It's not permanent. And it's changing. Yep. I love the inner monologue in this book. You've known me how long. It's clearly had an effect on me. But that scene when he's putting the stones back almost didn't need narration because you get the gist of what he's doing, you know. In the words of the Wolverine. (laughs) And yet the patterns of life are as fluid as those of this gravel. I smooth the stones. New patterns emerge. Chaos becomes order. The wheel turns. And from that order, peace. Perhaps that's the answer. The key isn't winning or losing. It's making the attempt. I may never be what I ought to be, want to be. But how will I know unless I try? Sure, it's scary. But what's the alternative? Stagnation. A safer, more terrible form of death. (laughs) Not of the body, but of the spirit. An animal knows what it is and accepts it. A man may know what he is, but he questions. He dreams. He strives. Changes. Grows. Then he's ready to kick some ass and chew some (laughs) bubblegum. And he's all out of (laughs) bubblegum. They could have ended right there. It could have been like, oh, Wolverine discovered himself. Issue three, the one that that takes place in, from an artistic standpoint, that cover is absolutely perfect. It's one of my all-time favorite covers. He's so just down on that cover that you almost hear, like, Cash's hurt playing in the background. I will make you hurt. And he made a lot of ninjas hurt. Issue four is all about hurting ninjas, man. It's about honor. You know what else he could have done? Hmm. He could have just gone straight to the kingpin guy and uh, just killed him directly. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. This is almost like a superhero trope, right? You don't just go straight to the crime lord, like the crime boss. I'm going to get you, sucker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they took out Mr. Big. They took out all of his, a bunch of his businesses. That's to let them know you're coming. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so he ends up fighting the dude, and it's a, he ends up, like, destroying the dude's empire, like, killing a bunch of the ninjas, stealing a bunch of their stuff. What's awesome is the, uh, the crime boss is like, I'm going to send all my best ninjas. Wolverine's as good as dead. And then this guy's like, uh... Lord Shingen, a package for you. <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? And he opens it up, and it's all the ninja's pajamas. Like, all the ninja outfits are in the box. <laughs> Her dad is at that point where Alan Rickman was towards the end of Die Hard when he just starts losing his bananas. As all good villains eventually yeah. reach that point, you know, where they hit that Scarface moment. <laughs> So many dead ninjas. Mm-hmm. He comes in, he kills his lover, his uh, husband. He kills the main dude. <laughs> he kills everybody. I just love the artwork when he finally kills the old man. And then Mariko comes in, picks up the old man's sword. I just love, I just sat and stared at this panel right here. It's like that scene in the first Executioner novel where Mac Bolan is talking about how people like tender sweet little girl need ugly people like me, you know. It's just, the, the, the contrast is just so cool in that. This is the sword made 800 years ago by a master swordsman. It's a Hanzo blade. That's right, it's a Hanzo blade. <laughs> She's like, the blade belongs to, you know, the most noble person of the family. 
She's like, my father, he sullied the name by bringing evil into this house. And she gives the sword to Wolverine. The best part, the beauty of this whole thing is, in the beginning, he's the animal and her dad is the sophisticated human. And in the end, he gets his humanity and her father turns into the animal. So yeah, and then the next scene, it kind of was a little bit jarring. It's this like four issues of super dark, like violence and an animal running around the city. And it's, and then suddenly I see this picture of the X-Men. It, Again, that's the contrast. It was a little bit jarring. You know, between Wolverine and the rest of the world. Yes. So they sent a wedding invitation. Mm-hmm. Apparently he's going to marry this Mariko chick. Uh, so we had a happy ending. And, and then the next issue in this particular collection is the Uncanny X-Men number 172, 173, which I haven't read. It's not part of this episode, but I'm going to read it because I'm kind of hooked now. I kind of like Wolverine like a lot. Maybe we'll, maybe you can tack it on to, to the next episode a little bit. Oh, yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll tell you what. These last couple weeks, I just love the order that things are going in. It started out with the Green Lantern, Green Arrow mm-hmm. was kind of like, you know, a little bit hokey, right? Yeah. But I, I got it. It got a little bit serious. As serious as it could get in 1970. Mm-hmm. Batman, kind of the same thing. Then Spider-Man got a little more dark. Then the X-Men was kind of like sort of serious. But then Iron Man like is like, oh man, drinking problem. <laughs> Wolverine, whoa, this dude's got some real problems, right? <laughs> He's carrying some baggage. Yes. <laughs> so now I'm really looking forward to Marvel graphic novel number five. From January of 1983. Also a X-Men story. And next week, I will explain to the uninitiated the difference between a comic book and a graphic novel. Ooh, goody. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> You've been listening to We've Got Issues. We've Got Issues is written and produced by Paul Schultz and Steve Vinson. Copyright Big Broccoli Studios. Music by Eric Fulmer. For more by Big Broccoli Studios, go to www.bigbroccolistudios.com. <laughs>